Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to this sermon podcast as we finish up our sermon series on restoration and what that entails and the different ways that it can happen in our own lives. Today we'll be talking about the surprising ways that we can be restored, but first let's take a look at the text that I'll be focusing on today. This comes from the book of 2 Kings in the Older Testament. It's the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 16. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Aramaeans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, Know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life, that this man sends word to me a cure to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me, that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned away and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to do was wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Please accept a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives whom I serve, I will accept nothing. He urged him to accept, but he refused. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. I mentioned in my sermon last week, Uh, John Wesley and what we believe as United Methodists uh, about grace, specifically prevenient grace. Well, Wesley came up in my purview again this week, but in a little bit different way. Some people know about Wesley, of course, uh, because of this movement called Methodism and other things that he wrote, but not a lot of people know about one of his more popular things that he wrote, and it didn't have anything to do necessarily with theology or how church should be organized or prayer. Instead, the name of the book is 
primitive physic, or an easy and natural method of curing most diseases. This was written in 1740. Wesley lived most of the 18th century, and he was very interested in in holistic living. And so not only, of course, did he have thoughts on uh, who God is, who Jesus is, what the Bible is, and how we should live a faithful life, but he also had opinions on how we should live our lives, uh, our physical lives, and how we should stay healthy. He provided in this book remedies uh, for a range of ailments and diseases. Uh, some of it, I was reading an article this week about, uh, about, I've not read the book, I'll confess to you, but I was reading some, an article about it, and the article said that uh, some of Wesley's remedies perhaps should stay in the 18th century. For example, as a way to cure or ease asthma, Wesley suggested that one should dry and powder a toad to make pills. Uh, Wesley was not uh, a doctor, so some of these things perhaps not uh, one should not follow <laughs> today. But Wesley was perhaps ahead of his time in other things too. And for example, he recommended, well, let me read, these are six different suggestions that Wesley had for people in taking care of their bodies. Uh, One should abstain from all mixed and all high seasoned food. So already Wesley is essentially telling people, be careful of your salt intake. Uh, He said, use plain diet, easy of digestion, and this as sparingly as you can, consistent with ease and strength. So in other words, don't overdo it when eating. Drink only water if it agrees with our stomach. If not, good, clear, small beer, which is perhaps news to those who think as Methodists only as teetotalers. But in these days when we're all talking about hydration, Wesley was a big fan of that. Uh, He said, use as much exercise daily in the open air as you can without weariness. Sup at six or seven on the lightest food, go to bed early and rise betimes. And finally, walking is the best exercise for those who are able to bear it. Riding for those who are not. The open air when the weather is fair contributes much to the benefit of exercise. So uh, low salt diet, uh, don't overdo it. Get exercise, drink plenty of water, get lots of sleep. Wesley could very easily fit into the 21st century, all the different things. Uh, Who knew that an itinerant 18th century British preacher would be ahead of the curve on a healthy lifestyle? A little bit surprising, perhaps. Well, as I noted earlier, we're finishing this sermon series on restoration. And today I talk about Wesley because restoration can come to us, perhaps, from surprising places, if we are open to it. So we are looking today at this man named Naaman. So it is no stretch to say that Naaman was in the mold of any military heroes that might pop into your mind for Americans. It might be U.S. Grant or Dwight Eisenhower. These were respected, revered military leaders, powerful in a sense that they probably often got what they wanted. And Naaman was just like that. He was the commander of the army of Aram, or ancient Syria. Great man, feared, respected, battle-tested. But unfortunately, as we read in the text, he has an issue. He has this skin disease. The passage says leprosy, but most biblical scholars believe it was probably something else, like psoriasis. Naaman doesn't know what to do about it. 
Now, right away, we find something interesting in this text. Here's this powerful man who probably always got his way and could probably call on the greatest medical personnel at the time. But instead, the first person that he listens to was not someone who had any medical expertise whatsoever. Instead, he listens to this servant girl from Israel. And she tells him there's a man in Israel who could cure him. So he listens to the girl, surprisingly. He does some political maneuvering, gets the king of Aram involved, who gets the king of Israel involved. And somehow the prophet Elisha hears all about this and says, guess what? I have an opening in my schedule. I'll see him. So Naaman makes the trip with his horses and his chariots and might be thinking that he is going in the presence of a great healer. But he is not happy with Elisha's prescription. He's unhappy even that Elisha won't even come to meet him. Instead, Elisha says, wash seven times in the Jordan River. You might wonder and not be surprised or that we might imagine that Naaman probably is thinking to himself that that's it? Wash seven times in that gross Jordan River? The writer Susan Ivani says this. She writes, Naaman should get the best healing possible, the one with waving arms and fancy hocus-pocus words, the vaguest production of healing. Instead, Naaman got what he needed. Naaman balked at this and was about ready to walk out, but finally his, Naaman's servants said, you know what? If Elisha had some, said some to do something difficult, you probably would have done it. Just go with it. And so Naaman does. So perhaps Naaman may not be that different from you or from me. When we want restoration, we want things maybe that we are expecting. Naaman was expecting perhaps maybe something very elaborate, something that he knew would help him, but instead he didn't get that. When you and I want restoration, perhaps we either want something very elaborate, like this very detailed process for how to be restored, or we may go to things that are familiar to us, like prayer in our healthier times. We maybe go to prayer or therapy or yoga, whatever it is. In our less than healthy times, we may try to find restoration in places where we probably know that we're not going to be helped, but we go there anyway. So we overindulge in things that might not be helpful for us, whether going down various rabbit holes online or maybe overdoing it when it comes to shopping or eating or abusing substances. But one thing that we might not do, whether it is healthy or unhealthy, is, at least I don't anyway, is to say to God and come to God and say, Lord, surprise me. Surprise me with the restoration that I might not be expecting. I don't think Naaman was, so that was not Naaman's prayer. But instead, we see that restoration can happen in unexpected places, in surprising places. And so being surprised actually is something that can help us. I was reading this article this week by the co-author of a book called named Surprise, Embrace the Unpredictable and Engineer the Unexpected. The author is Tanya Luna. And she 
uh, has done scientific research on what does it mean to be surprised. And interestingly, apparently, being surprised causes you and I to physically freeze for 1 25th of a second. And after we freeze, something triggers within us in the brain that Luna calls a find. It's a moment that causes humans to generate extreme curiosity in an attempt to figure out what exactly is happening. And apparently, when we're surprised, our emotions intensify up to 400%. If we're surprised with something positive, we'll feel more intense feelings of happiness or joy. And then, of course, if it's surprised by something negative, we have feelings of anger or despair. What she tries to do is help people be surprised in their own lives. And she writes this, I think about surprise in two perspectives, embracing it and engineering it. You may have to train your brain to be more comfortable accepting surprise. And by that, I also mean surprise readiness, being comfortable with uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. In these days, she writes, it's an incredibly important skill. You may be the kind of person who loves surprises. You may be the kind of person who just really don't like them, but we know that when they happen, they can be intense. But maybe sometimes when we seek out restoration, we also be, might be ready to be surprised or to find, surprising, uh, to find restoration in surprising ways, like Naaman did. We see surprises here in this passage. There are numerous ones. Three of them are this. One, at the very beginning of this passage, this servant girl, she speaks up. One scholar I read said that this servant girl is, quote, the ancient world's consummate non-person. So she is somebody who should not be talking at all, somebody that people would ignore, but she does speak up and her advice is followed. That's very surprising. Another surprising thing in this text is that God heals a non-Israelite. For the people who are reading and being immersed in this text, we may forget that Naaman is a Syrian, one who is skeptical of this God that Elisha believes in and listens to and speaks on behalf of. So God heals a non-Israelite. So that might surprise some people, realizing that God's healing goes beyond our own borders or who we might expect. And finally, we might be surprised by Naaman himself. Now, he puts up a fuss, but in the end, he agrees with what Elisha tells him to do. Some others might have just said, forget this guy. But instead, he decides to go and wash in the Jordan River, and he is healed. Restoration happens in this passage in surprising ways. And that, perhaps, when we think about our own restoration... Maybe that's something that we should be reflecting on or being aware of or preparing ourselves for how restoration might surprise us. In addition to the tried and true ways that I named earlier, those are great ways to to find restoration. But then also God might be working in an unexpected way in your life if we are open to it. I put on my Facebook page a few weeks ago, and some of you have reached out to me, which I appreciate Uh, the death of a friend of mine. We were roommates in college for a semester. We were part of the same fraternity, and uh, his name was Dan. 
After graduation, I really hadn't kept in touch with Dan at all over the years. But then about four years ago, he called me totally out of the blue and got vulnerable very quickly. He started talking about the breakup of his marriage and the struggles he was having in trying to be a father, the challenges he had in finding a job. And as he called and as he talked, I started to read between the lines and clearly he was in need of help and healing. He would ask me to pray for him. And as we chatted, I sensed that he was also really struggling with alcohol. And perhaps this was his own way of trying desperately to find some sort of restoration. Well, Dan would then eventually start calling me once every three or four months, and it was pretty much the same conversation. He would talk about the breakup of his marriage, struggles in being a father, struggles in finding a job. He loved to rehash the old days of college. He would ask me to pray for him, and I would always wonder if he had been drinking when he called. I soon learned that I wasn't the only one on his uh, speed dial list. Others were on that list, too. And sadly, Dan never found that restoration, and uh, he died. Uh, Really, he essentially drank himself to death. His organs just shut down. Well, I went to the funeral a couple of weeks ago, and so thought a lot about my times with Dan and the last few years and things that I could or couldn't have done to help bring about that restoration. And then I also thought about my own uh, mortality. Anytime a peer dies, you think about that, and you wonder, do I need restoration in my own ways, too? Well, it was interesting as I was uh, meeting and gathering with friends of mine from college, all who were there for the funeral, and I hadn't seen some of them in years and years and years. And so after the wake, we went to uh, a restaurant uh, that night. And as I was catching up with some uh, guys, some of whom, again, I had seen and some that I hadn't for a while, I caught the eye of a guy that uh, I'll call Brad. I never really got along that much with Brad while I was in college. Um, He and I had kind of maybe the best way to say it is different life philosophies. And so he would uh, always be this really big personality and he would do things in ways that would really kind of rub me the wrong way and my hunches that uh, I probably was the same way too. So I certainly have not kept in touch with Brad uh, over the years. Well, I started to see Brad, and so I was trying to be polite, and I said, so Brad, how's it going? How are you doing? And we kind of started sharing a little bit and catching up with one another, and um, uh, still had that, it's funny how, you know, 30 years later, those those feelings that you have about people that you're just kind of like, oh, this is slightly uncomfortable, and I don't know quite how to interact with him. We just probably still don't see eye to eye on things. But then he looked at me, and he kind of gave me this quizzical look, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm not on Facebook very much, but... I just want to thank you for the things that you post on on Facebook. And he didn't say specifically what that was. My hunch is that he was probably speaking, especially when I talk about uh, being affirming of LGBTQ folks and perhaps some other issues that I've talked about as well. And I was floored by that comment. And so we started talking just a little bit more about that. And that did an interesting thing for me is sometimes anytime someone is in the ministry and sometimes if you're in the business of uh, trying to bring about healing and wholeness and you wonder, am am I doing any good whatsoever? And so when Brad said that to me, I was just really taken aback. And then the next day too, after the funeral, 
Brad actually was one of the scripture readers, which surprised me too. And so as I was saying goodbye, he was there at the door and he said one more time, please keep posting what you post. It's important. And that was enormously helpful for me. And to say that I would have found some restoration in this whole process of speaking with Dan and going to the funeral, maybe I would have thought that, yeah, that could take place, but I never in a million years would have thought that it would be just from a few words from Brad, of encouragement from Brad. This person who I never really got along with 30 years ago, and even today I have no idea if we would be friends. But those few words from this unexpected place was enormously helpful. And it made me realize and reminded me, I need to constantly be open to the ways that God works in my life and the surprising ways that restoration can happen. And I can't overlook anything or anyone. So many of us need restoration in so many different ways, especially out of this last year and a half. It has exacerbated so many different things for folks. People are in need of physical restoration, emotional, spiritual. People are just feeling out of sorts, out of sync, out of connection. And so again, we may think that we go to the things that we know, which which again is great. Go to those things. But I would also encourage you to be open to the surprises, the surprising ways that God restores us. You never know. Like Naaman and the Jordan River, like my friend Brad, you never know what are the ways that God might be restoring you. And so I hope that you can find those ways and be open to them, knowing that God tries so many different ways so that we might find that full restoration in our lives too. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm going to try to get back to this uh, regularly. And though next week, we're actually having a pride parade at our sighted urban village. So for those in the Chicago area, uh, please join us 1030 on October 3rd, a little family pride parade walking about a mile or so in River Forest. And come on out to either watch or walk or wheel, however you can join us. That would be great. Uh, But then in two weeks, hopefully I will be back uh, and sharing more reflections. So until then, friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. My wisdom and thou my true word I